Welcome to the Glory Mountain Church podcast. For more information on our church and ways to support what God is doing here, visit glorymountain.com. Good morning. Good morning, Glory Mountain. Here and uh, here and on the wire. <laughs> anyway, I'm Stephen Thiesing, and I am here to bring the word this morning. And uh, the title of this message is Walking in Freedom. And these are just some things that I've learned from my journey with God and, uh, and through challenge and overcoming uh, past failures and obstacles. So excited to bring this. I just want to, again, as always, I think um, credit where credit is due and honor Pastor Mark and Pastor Deborah who are uh, on the trip of a lifetime right now. We'll be back next week. And uh, just for the body that they have built here, the, the healthy family. And, uh, and I'll encourage you throughout this message, but there, there's, there's fruit here and there's fruit to come. And, uh, and an encouragement for each one of us to be diligent about reaching out to the people in our circle and inviting them, uh, welcoming them to come here and and to uh, taste what we have here because it's amazing. And I believe that God wants to grow this body, just just like Mark was saying, to reach out and uh, and touch the campus and our community. So again, a week from today, after church is lunch to honor Pastor Deborah for her birthday. So please purpose to come out and uh, let Mark or whomever know if you're planning to come. And uh, it's going to be a good time. So I believe that this is a key message for the body. And I have to say that because the spiritual warfare this week has been brutal. And I actually got really sick. I uh, came off the heels of a business trip to Germany and uh, my wife was sick, and then I got sick, and actually stayed home on Wednesday with a fever and this foul cough. I mean, it was it was uh, kind of one of those things where, like, you can't cough it out of your body. So uh, I'm I'm pleased to be doing much better today. So I want to encourage folks take notes, and um, and also. You're welcome to listen to this again because I think um, for many that this is going to be some a, a key word. So this message obviously follows on the heels of last week, which was Brian Havens, and he was talking about freedom, and that there are things that we can deal with that Jesus Christ already paid the price for, and He wants us to rather than living and hanging on to the consequences of our actions and, uh, and sometimes stuff that happens to us, that we're not supposed to carry those negatives longer than necessary. Jesus wants us to be in freedom. And so some of the things that Brian spoke about were fear, anxiety, guilt, shame, anger, frustration, confusion, and again, we're not meant to carry these. Jesus paid for them. And there is an all-sufficient grace to cover our sins and failures. And in the scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 
says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And that's for us. And this is an encouragement that um, I, th- I think in this day and age where uh, it's so much about image and, uh, and, and I think it's easy for us to look at people on Instagram or, or Facebook or in advertisements on TV and it's very easy for us to look and think, oh man, they have it all together. And, um, and you really never know what somebody is walking in and has walked through unless you have walked in their shoes. So this is to point out that we all struggle, none are perfect. And, and I'm gonna share some of the challenges that I've walked through uh, just as a means of encouragement because God has delivered. So I think some of us are beaten down and repeated failures have you disgusted, disappointed, and disillusioned. And kind of, um, I think the enemy can use those repeated failures just to say, hey, you're, you're messed up. I mean, God, God can't lead you into freedom. And that's a lie. I think that there are people whose hope has been pounded out by those lies of the devil. And, and I'm here to deliver a God message to not only finding freedom, but also walking in that freedom daily. So the first point that I want to talk about is fear and fear versus faith. Fear says that we don't matter to God. And faith says that God can be trusted. Again, fear says we don't matter to God. And faith says that God can be trusted. And it's also possible to be in a place where we believe that we matter to God. And then when circumstances just turn on their heads for us to hear a lie and, and maybe embrace a lie that says, well, maybe I don't really matter because um, God's sure sticking it to me. And I've been there. I've been there where I felt like for a, a number of years, I was walking around with a target on my back and, uh, and just uh, taking, taking a lot of arrows and bullets in the same place. And it stunk. And uh, it, was, it was a time when I was just kind of fed up with God. I didn't stop going to church, but I, I didn't really trust God in, in what he was doing. So with this in mind, Proverbs 12, 25, I think fear and anxiety go hand in hand. And Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression but a good word makes it glad. And I also think of another scripture that's, that's not up here, but it says, um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So there's a song that I heard recently and, uh, on the radio, and it's, it's called Fear is a Liar. And it's by a guy named Zach Williams. I think it's a pretty recent song, and he has an album called Chain Breaker. And I just want to share some of the words from that song. And remember, it's called Fear is a Liar. When he told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, 
when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you, you, when he told you you're not beautiful, that you'll never be enough, fear he is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear he is a liar. He will rob your rest, steal your happiness, cast your fear in the fire, because fear he is a liar. When he told you you were troubled, you'll forever be alone. When he told you you should run away, you'll never find a home. When he told you you were dirty and you should be ashamed. When he told you you could be the one that grace could never change. Fear, he is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear, he is a liar. He will rob your rest, steal your happiness, cast your fear in the fire. Because fear, he is a liar. Let your fire fall and cast out all my fears, God. Let your fire fall, your love is all I feel. Let your fire fall and cast out all my fears. Let your fire fall, your love is all I feel. It's a great song. Check it out. So I want to share a story of uh, a, a time in my life. There, there have been many, but one in particular when... Um, Natalie was probably six or seven years old, and I had, uh, I had been with a company called Sun Microsystems, and we lived up in Silicon Valley. And uh, I, w- I was like an account manager, account exec with some key corporate accounts. And uh, it, w- it was also during this job when we had learned to tithe, and we were faithful in bringing the tithe and the offering. And, uh, and, and saw our income just grow uh, very exponentially. And so we had year after year where things were better and better. And I mean, uh, by, the, by the grace and favor of God and because we were faithful, um, each, each year was better than the last. And we had five amazing years there. And uh, we, we had two couples that uh, were, were close friends and um, they had this thing called President's Club where when you achieved your, your revenue and sales goals, we got to go on these President's Clubs, these amazing trips, my wife and I, uh, Sydney, Australia, and Maui, and um, there, was, there was one to South Africa that Heidi was pregnant and I decided to stay home and uh, I heard afterward that there was like a typhoon that, or a monsoon that hit so I kind of felt good that we didn't make that one. But in a lot of these, uh, our kid, we bring our kids along, and they had a kids' club, and it, it was amazing. I mean, we had private concerts with Gladys Knight and uh, Huey Lewis in the news. And so these are some amazing things. It was an amazing place to work. But uh, in the fifth year, it felt like the, the faucet had just been shut off. I mean, it just it got dry. My income dropped a lot. Heidi was home with our young kids, and, uh, and uh, there was some fear and anxiety there. And um, I ended up uh, l- looking at some outside job opportunities. I got contacted by a headhunter, and um, that's a recruiter, basically, in tech, and I ended up taking a job with another company called Legato. 
And so I handed in my resignation. And, and there was kind of a grief and a mourning as we were walking away from this place where God had just blessed so much. And, and really, I had been the golden boy. And, um, and yet that had just been shut off. Another thing that was interesting is that my boss and mentor, he had, he had like, as things dried up here, he had offered me another assignment. And then I'd go there and it would dry up. And so it was sort of like, Ugh, it feels like there's a curse on me. So, so anyway, I, t- I took this job with Legato. And... Um, but the, the day that I started, uh, my, the guy who hired me, my boss, was massively demoted. And also, they took me, uh, they brought me into the boardroom and introduced me to some um, information technology, like execs and leaders from Chevron, the big oil company. And apparently, unbeknownst to me, the relationship with Chevron had soured. And they're like, oh, here's Steve. And, you know, he's going to make everything right for you. And I'm just like, holy heck, what is going on here? You know, it just, it felt like I had totally made the wrong decision. And let me point out something. So maybe two weeks, a week or two before I had moved into the new job, I won't go into all the details sometime, you know, maybe at lunch next week, I can tell you some more of the detail, but I had gotten a call from an, another headhunter who said, you know, I've got a job opportunity for you, and it's with this company called Veritas, Veritas means truth in Latin, and I said, well, I already accepted this job at Legato, and, they, um, and the headhunter said, oh, Legato's a B player. You got to go check out Veritas. It's an A player. And so I went and interviewed at Veritas. And he was, he was right. It was a better opportunity. Uh, and, and I knew Veritas. I just didn't know at the time that, um, that this better opportunity was available. So, so I go to church on Sunday, and the message is on faithfulness and being a person of your word. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> so, so again, then it's Sunday. I start the new job on Monday. The, that guy who hired me massively demoted, you know, and they thrust me in front of Chevron uh, to fix this mess. And it was hard. It was very hard. But let me tell you a couple of things that came from that. And, and um, I forgot to add that between jobs, I had gone and, um, and had a reconstructive surgery on my right foot and then also ended up, I tore my meniscus while I was on crutches. So basically, I also started this job with a rigid leg brace on one side and a cast on the other side. So I'm on crutches and pathetic, okay? And it sucked. <laughs> So, um, so basically, through the grace of God, in, in a matter of like three, four months, I was able to turn around Chevron, and I mean, it was hard work and prayer, but that became the largest deal in the history of the company. And in four or five months, I earned what my top year had been at Sun Microsystems. So God just restored, massively restored in a very short amount of time. And let me tell you, there was a lot of fear going through this. You know, as I said, I thought I'd made the wrong decision. And then um, also when I talked to Veritas, 
before following in faith and obedience and going to Legato, I, I had looked at, um, they had offered me a job basically. And the level, let me just say the stock options, if I had gone straight to Veritas, would have been worth about $2 million later. But because I waited, they then came back to me and they, they basically said, um, you know, I basically did my job at Legato and then Veritas opened up again and they said, we want you to consider coming again. And I did. I ended up going there. And because of waiting, it was like five months, um, instead of what was $2 million worth of stock options, by waiting, it ended up to be $5 million uh, later. So I'm just telling you that there are times in your life when it's, you, you feel like God's abandoned you. And there are a lot of times when it feels that way and God's really just setting, yourself up, setting you up for something better. And so I'm just encouraging you to stay in faith and, and walk in obedience because fear is a liar. So unfortunately for me, um, I think that there, there's some fear that comes generationally. Um, my mother was a big warrior and uh, she is a prayer warrior also, but she was a warrior in my grandmother. And so I've purposed that I'm, I'm not gonna pass that on to the next generation. And so I can say that through a lot of challenge, God has brought me to more of a place of quiet confidence. And yeah, there are fears sometimes, but uh, there, there's scripture in 2 Timothy 1.7 that, that I um, speak out often. And it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I don't know if you guys have it on the overhead, but again, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And um, I can just tell you that there have been times going through uh, turmoil on the work front and I'll wake up in the middle of the night and that is the scripture that I'll just speak over and over and over until uh, God brings peace and rest. So there's a powerful book that uh, for me in my walk with God, I would put it next to the Bible. It's probably like the second or third most powerful book. And it is called Goliath Must Fall. It's by Louis Giglio. And I'm going to share a, a couple of pieces of this with you folks this morning. The first is from 1 Samuel 17. Um, and actually the scripture's not up there, but it's the story of David versus Goliath. And the premise here is that David was able to kill that giant Goliath because he had an intimacy and a faithfulness of walking with God and a trust that he developed in God. And what, what this book talks about is that Jesus is our Goliath killer. So I just want to briefly read um, one section. This is on page 54 to 55, and it's, and it's about fear. Here's the point. Fear grips us whenever we believe that apart from or in spite of our best efforts, something undesirable is going to happen, and we can't stop it. 
Sometimes fear is irrational and sometimes it is rational. But no matter what kind of fear it is, it always affects us. The command to fear not fills scripture. And we've got to ask why this commandment is so widespread. The answer must be that a lot of us have a lot of fears. Fear is a giant. Fear doesn't always look like fear. And this is where this giant gains a buy-in from huge amounts of people. Sometimes fear is flat out terror. It's shaking your boots fright. But at other times, this giant exhibits itself less overtly. It shows up as anxiety or nervousness or worry or stress or dread or tension or stomach problems. Fear chews away at our lives and erodes our sense of confidence and well-being. It robs us of sleep and rest. And this is really powerful. Fear blinds us and steals our praise. So I want to talk about a, a second area where we can struggle, even as Christians. And that is in the area of addiction. And uh, before you just say, oh, no, I don't deal with any of that. Uh, some examples that are talked about in the book of areas of addiction. Man's approval, shopping. And in, in, in man's approval, I think that includes, you know, some of us can at one time or another be addicted to, well, how many likes do I get on social media, you know? And you post something and you're like checking it constantly. Um, so again, man's approval, shopping, alcohol and drugs, porn, sex, overeating and eating disorders, anger and rage. And I want to read a little bit out of, this is um, page 170. Recently, a friend recounted the scene as a mom walked into a circle of desperation she thought was a meeting with a real estate broker at their home. The meeting was a setup. It was an intervention. Seated in the circle were her parents, her husband of 24 years, and her two closest friends, her sister and three of her children, ages 19, 16, and 14. The mom was addicted to alcohol and prescription meds. The most gripping moment came when the 16-year-old emptied a plastic trash bag filled with empty beer cans and pill bottles she had been scavenging from the waste bin in the garage. Mom, she asked, why do you love these more than me? In reality, it's likely the mom did not love the meds and the drinks more than her daughter. She was just being squashed by the giant called addiction and was on the verge of destroying everything and everyone she loved. The big addictions are real. Our family has been through some huge ones. And if this is your story, I'm right there with you. I'm not taking them lightly. Yet I don't want any of us to sit back and say, well, since I'm not struggling with this big addiction, and since I'm not struggling with that big addiction, then I really don't have any addictions in my life. When it comes to addictions, we need to cast a wider net. An addiction is anything we can't live without. We're enslaved to this thing. It's a habit we can't break. It's a person we can't separate from, a pattern we can't change, and it is ultimately harmful. 
If left unchecked, the addiction devastates our lives and everything around us. That's the giant of addiction at work. It robs us of our very best. It leads us down a never-ending path to a never-fulfilled promise. And in the end, the giant of addiction stands over us, ridiculing us and dimming the fame and glory of God in our lives. That is why the giant of addiction must fall. John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Often these addictions have become deep emotional patterns or chemically related and set a pattern in our mind and body. It is self-medicating the pain rather than going to God. I read that porn and sex addiction is on par with an opioid addiction because it's the, it sets the same patterns in our brains. Unfortunately, I was exposed to porn when I was seven years old. And it became a pattern in my life that I've since walked to freedom. I know how real it can be and how discouraging it can be. There's some examples where Jesus brings instant healing and deliverance, but mostly freedom comes from walking it out daily by pressing in and seeking the Lord's help regularly and often, but also it often requires accountability. The first step of freedom is a love encounter. And I actually want to read um, two last sections The root cause of most addictions is pain. The cause is sin. Somebody has rejected us. Somebody has inflicted pain on us. Emotional pain, physical pain, relational pain, economic pain. This person has made us feel like we're not good enough. We're convinced we don't have what it takes. A sense of inadequacy has been branded on our lives. Our security and sense of significance have been ripped away. Our world was turned upside down and nothing makes sense or looks clear or feels right. We are lonely or angry or tired or annoyed or frustrated or fearful or betrayed or lost or disgusted or grieving or knocked off kilter. That's the cause. The symptom is whatever addiction shows up and promises to make us feel better. See, when we feel chaotic inside, we run to something that promises relief. We feel we need to cope somehow, so we turn to the thing we think will make us feel better. Maybe that addiction actually does deliver relief for a short time. The addiction gives a buzz, a high, a thrill, a rush. But then the addiction lets us down big time, and we go even lower than before. We need to look past the symptom and examine the cause. What's the source of the chaos in our lives? Why do we feel so inadequate? Why do we fear being known? Where's the pain coming from? Unless we're willing to look underneath the drug and figure out what's causing the problems in the first place, then the giant of addiction is not going to fall, but it can.
So again, there are examples where Jesus brings instant healing and deliverance, but in some of these areas, it's, it's recalibrating and reformatting our mind, our thinking, how our body behaves and reacts. And I'm, I'm just here to say there is no judgment and there's no need or place for shame. I mean, if, if, if folks are dealing with things, then we're here to help people walk in freedom. And that, that's why I'm up here, because uh, there, there is freedom in Christ, and there can be. Uh, but it's a good reminder that this Christian life is never about a solo act. It's not a solo act, okay? So uh, stop letting the enemy lie to you and, and keep you hiding out. And, and keep you in fear and keep you in addiction because Christ wants us to be in freedom. He wants us to get a, our eyes off ourselves and the condemnation and shame and criticism and be about living that abundant life, uh, living set free. So the first step of freedom is a love encounter and it's about being immersed in intimacy with God. And... Um, he says, fortunately, there is a solution, Christ. Jesus takes down the giant of our addictions, and we've got to derail this harmful trajectory of turning toward harm whenever we feel pain. Chaos still happens in the world, and we still fight the feelings of vulnerability. That fight won't stop. We will still want to cover up and cope, but the solution, instead of running to an addiction, is running to Jesus. Again, the solution, instead of running to an addiction, is running to Jesus. We can be confident and secure when we're immersed in intimacy with God. And uh, that's actually the, the last piece I'm going to read out of the book. It is an amazing book. And so I'm, I'm here to give you a taste and some highlights. Um, and, and, and also to say the, the book alone is probably not enough. If, if you've been dealing with an area of addiction and uh, we're here to see you walk in freedom. And again, there are several elements to that. Walking to freedom together with another believer is what I've seen as most effective. Our Christian life, again, it's not a solo act. We're not meant to be hidden and hiding out in shame. There are groups like 12-step programs for men and for women, uh, for drugs, alcohol, uh, porn and sex addiction, and they work. And the groups are about accountability, and I call it finding a godly wingman or wingwoman, you know, to walk with you. And somebody that when you're, you're feeling triggered or struggling, you can call or text and say, hey, I'm having a hard time. Can you pray for me? Can you pray with me? It also means that um, as, as we get immersed in that love of God and we realize that God loves us even right where we're at, God loves us the same whether it's our best day or our worst day or we've just stumbled. His love for you is the same. 
Another step is about uh, leaving some things and some relationships behind. So if, you know, just, just do a personal inventory and sometimes that means cutting people off. And I've told a lot of people as I've counseled and mentored, hey, uh, you just need to block that person on your phone like you don't that that is a that is a foul relationship and you you can't try and have the last word and expect it to go quietly you just let me show you how to block that and i mean that that is a step to freedom for for many of us so proverbs 12:26 if you could yeah here we go proverbs 12:26 the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. And um, man, it is so important to assess every input that you're taking into your life. I mean, from music to relationships to um, what you're watching, what you're reading, it, it all influences us. So are you, is the influence for the positive or is it for the negative or is it neutral? And um, I mean, that, that's why... I hate to admit, but a lot of times I, I'll listen to Joel Osteen on satellite radio in my car just because my work is so demanding and there's so much negative that I'm dealing with in the work environment as I'm changing it, shifting it, that I've just got to be shored up and, and listen to something positive. There's another step here, and this this might be something that you folks have thought of or might not, but we must forgive ourselves and others. And just as we can sometimes pray to forgive others, sometimes we are our own worst enemy and we've got to take a step and, and just say, Father, by faith in Jesus' name, I'm choosing to forgive myself for messing up in this area. And I... I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let you take that, Lord. Uh, scripture again in John 8, 36. And this is in our, in our um, song this morning. John 8, 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And this is real. So for those of you who have gone up to an altar call or been at a men's or women's retreat and gotten prayer and walked in victory for a few months just to kind of fall back. I'm, I'm here to say that God can give you lasting freedom, but it means walking together, okay? It's, it's, it's getting, uh, getting plugged into a, a group it's plugged into accountability. It's finding that wingman or wingwoman to walk with you. Again, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And this is something that uh, the, the Holy Spirit has just spoken to me many times. Nobody gets free when I or we stay in silence. I mean, I, I, could, I could let shame tell me, just shut up, don't share what you've been through. And that, that doesn't help. You know, Jesus brings us through and delivers us into victory 
so that we can be a light, so that we can put out a hand and pull people out of the pit. And that's why we walk forward together. The enemy wants to use shame to keep your eyes on yourself, and God wants to deliver us so that we can lend a hand to others. There's, there's another thing, um, and, and let me just tell you, when I talk about the battle of this past week, it's like the, the enemy was just bringing things into my mind, and I'm thinking of the past, and I have to remind the devil, no, that's covered by the blood. I'm free from that. But it, it means that... Um, I've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, that's not who you are. This is who you are. You know, I've, I've raised you up to be a mighty man of God. So we need to make sure that what we're listening to and what we're feeding is healthy for us. The book Goliath Must Fall says, yes, we, we need to have a wingman and a wingwoman, but it, it's also about, hey, Jesus, I'm feeling really weak and vulnerable right now. Can you come in and help me? And so it's, it's walking forward by faith and obedience and, and really choosing. Um, he, he talks a lot about um, don't give the giant a seat at your table, and that's referring to Psalm 23, where it talks about the Lord puts a table before us in the presence of our enemies, but that's for the Lord and us to connect in a heartfelt and meaningful way. So as we move forward, Jesus restores our vision. As we walk toward and into freedom, he lifts up our eyes off of ourselves so that we can be sensitive to and help out others and encourage others that God puts in our path, whether they're believers or non-believers. There's another thing that the Lord often reminds me, and he, he just says, hey, you've got eyes in the front of your head, not in the back of your head. And they're eyes to look forward at the goal and the vision that he has for you. They're not in your back, the back of your head to look behind you. The past is covered by the blood of Jesus. And we've, we've got to stand in that. And um, Joseph Prince is a guy who talks about, he, he just says, I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. We've just got to declare that we're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. So, Two last scriptures, Psalm 18, 16 through 19. This is just a powerful, all of Psalm 18 is powerful. It says, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. And this is he, God, drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. So folks, I, I want to offer now, um, we're going we're gonna to look at Psalm 23. This is something in the book, Goliath Must Fall, and uh, worship team can come up also. But um, I want to offer that, hey, whether, whether you're dealing with fear, whether you're dealing with addiction, and remember, that addiction definition is broad. So 
th this is a time to come up and get prayer and take a, a, take a step on a path to freedom. And there's no judgment here. I mean, this is the place to, uh, to get set on a path. And, you know, we'll, we'll also help with, um, I'll personally be available to help people get connected into groups that can help you walk in long-term victory. So Psalm 23, one through six, and again, uh, Louis Giglio at the end of the book encourages people to basically read Psalm 23 for in the morning and in the evening for 30 days. And, um, you know, really dwell and meditate on it. And it's, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. I want you guys to repeat this with me. Let's start at the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It means you're not alone. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. There is no lack, guys. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Walking in freedom, walking in victory. Thanks, guys and gals. Thank you so much for joining us today and being a vital part of what God is doing in His people. We hope that this message impacted you and that you were blessed. We would love to connect with you about this message and what God is doing in your heart. You can email us at info at glorymountain.com or visit our website, glorymountain.com. You can also give online to support what God is doing at Glory Mountain. Have a blessed week.